Most of us wouldn't feel very comfortable publicly declaring, I want to be rich, or I want to be famous, or I want to be powerful. That would seem arrogant or vain. Not the Ecclesiastes kind of vain, but the, the selfish, shallow, self-centered kind of vain. And, and we'd be right, that would be pretty arrogant and vain. But if we're honest, in our heart of hearts, we do kind of want these things, don't we? We might not want to be rich, but we could always use more money. We, we might not want to be famous, that could be an inconvenience, but a few more followers, a few more likes on our posts, a few more shares of what, whatever we put on social media, that's a real boost to our self-esteem, right? We might not want to be powerful, that sounds egotistical, that sounds like we want to be a tyrant or something, but we might want to be a leader, we might want to gain influence, and of course we would take that promotion if it was offered, right? See, wealth and fame and power are pretty inextricable. They're not the same things, but they feed one another. If you have power, you can gain wealth. If you have wealth, you can gain power. If you have power and wealth, you tend to be well-known and famous. So these things are woven together, and that's kind of the way that Ecclesiastes handles them. It addresses the vanity of wealth and fame and power kind of as one concept altogether. Ecclesiastes addresses them this way because they all come from the same place. Each of these things, wealth, fame, power, are things that we covet in our hearts because we wish we were something better than what we are. We want to be a different status of person, a different kind of person. And these are measuring sticks in society that those things are, are measured by. We measure status, success, uh, the value of a person by their wealth, by their fame, by their power. And so Ecclesiastes is looking at the heart behind those things, really. So when I say we covet these things, you might, you might kind of hesitate and go, well, I don't know that I really covet them. But, but we do. We want to be well-known. We want to be, even if it's just a big fish in a small pond, you know, the, the coolest neighbor in the neighborhood, or the uh, well-known in the context of your church. You know, you want to get up front and make the announcements or lead. You want to do those kinds of things. You don't, you don't necessarily want power, but you do want influence. In fact, we call social media reach influence, not power. Your, power sounds manipulative, but influence sounds like a good thing. It's something that we aspire to. Um, you might not seek wealth in terms of being lavish, but you do always want that raise. And really, what is enough? When you have money, what is enough? There's, there's a sense of always wanting a little bit more. And so our heart yearns after these things because we think that they will deliver happiness. We think that they will deliver satisfaction and fulfillment. We think that the next amount of money will be the amount of money that gives us peace. The next amount of followers or recognition will be the fame that, that fills up the void in our hearts. The influence that we gain to lead others, to tell them what to do, to, to have them want to be like us, will be the thing that, that gives us a sense of satisfaction. So we do covet these, and it's all around us in society. In fact, I think American society, Western society as a whole, is pretty defined by these things. Why do millions and millions of people follow celebrities? Celebrities are good at one thing, usually. Some of them are only good at being famous. Some of them are good actors, some of them are good athletes, good musicians. Millions of people follow them, and it's not just because of their skill set. We don't just follow them because we love their songs or their movies, but all of a sudden, 
we want in on their lives. If we can't, if we can't have it, we want to peek in. It's sort of a voyeuristic look into the window of celebrity life. So fame shapes society. We follow people on social media called influencers. Well, what makes somebody an influencer? Just numbers, just the number of people who follow them and then the number of people who want to be like them. But unlike celebrities, the window into their world is not, I wonder what it must be like on the other side. It's more like, oh, that's almost attainable. And they feed this by telling you things like, if you just follow these five simple fitness steps, you could look like me. If you just budget in these ways, you can live like me. And so there's these, this draw of influence and money is wrapped up in all of this because of course we want the wealth of the, the famous and we want the lifestyle of the influencer. This is, this is a defining characteristic of who we are as a society and what motivates us as people. And of course it's what Ecclesiastes calls vain. It says the pursuit of these things is like the striving after the wind. Well, I don't know if you've ever tried to chase wind, but it's a pretty fruitless effort. It is a thing that you throw so much effort into and you never actually arrive. You feel it, you see it, it's around you. There is no success and conclusion to it. The author of Ecclesiastes has some experience with all of this. There's some debate about who wrote Ecclesiastes. I'm pretty confident that it was Solomon who wrote it and that, that seems clear throughout the book. And if it was Solomon, it makes total sense that he can address wealth and fame and power with real experience and clarity because Solomon was the wealthiest man of his day. If you read 1 Kings and you read the description of his throne room, his palace, the, the treasury of the kingdom of Israel at that time, it's, it's almost mind-blowing. It sounds pretend. It's like that scene in the movie Aladdin where they go down into the, uh, into the genie's cave and there's just piles of gold everywhere. That's basically what you're picturing there. So Solomon, the author of Ecclesiastes, knew wealth. He was so famous that kings and queens from all over the ancient world traveled to him to get his insights, to see how he did things, just to kind of gaze in awe at, at his kingdom. So he was profoundly famous. And of course he was a king, so he was powerful in just his role. But not only that, he led Israel at the most successful, peaceful time in its history. So his power was widespread, and left its marks on a whole nation and the nations around them. So Solomon knows what he is talking about when he talks about wealth and fame and power. And what does he have to say about them? He says in chapter 4, verse 8, There is no end to all his toil, and his eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never asks, For whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity and an unhappy business. It's vanity. It's a striving after the wind. The very man who had it all says, it doesn't come to anything. And he poses another question as well. He says, who gains from this? The, the person striving never stops to ask, for whom am I striving? What is his point here? His point is that he's not gaining. There's, there's no ultimate satisfaction there. And he calls it an unhappy business. Now let me pause for a minute, because if you're like me, your instinct right now is to go, that, that's great, but I sure would like to find out for myself. I'd like to find out if wealth really is vanity. I'd like to find out if fame and power really are vanity. Trust me, we are not the exception to the rule. 
When God's word says, this is vanity and it's striving after the wind, it's right and our heart's inclination to want these things is, is misguided. So don't try to be the exception to the rule on this and say, but I want to learn what Solomon says on my own. The reason he knows that it's vanity is because he tried to learn it on his own and it didn't go well for him. That's where Ecclesiastes comes from. It's these hard life lessons. So don't be the exception. Trust the word of the Lord on this one. So back to that question of who gains and this unhappy business. Turn your attention to the book of Job with me just for a moment. In the book of Job, we find another fabulously wealthy person with a great reputation. He was a man of substance and means. And in the very first chapter of Job, he loses everything. He loses his wealth. He loses his family. He even begins to lose his reputation. His, his wife turns on him. One of the ways that Job responds is to say, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. What he's saying is, you can't take any of this with you. We are born with nothing in our hands and nothing on our bodies, and that's the way we go out as well. So when Ecclesiastes says, for whom am I toiling? The question is not, the question is not who am I passing this off to? It's basically saying, the gain of this is, is kind of nil because none of this goes with us. The same fate comes for us all. And when we pass out of life under the sun, none of this wealth, fame, power goes with us. So does this mean that wealth, fame, and power are bad? Are they immoral things? No, they're not. Ecclesiastes doesn't say that. It's talking about how much hope we should put in them. And it tells us what we should do with them. And ultimately what it's saying is they should not be our main pursuit. Ecclesiastes 4 turns our attention to the way we should respond to wealth, fame, and power, what the posture of our hearts should be. And it makes it really clear that it's better to be humble and wise and poor or weak than it is to be arrogant and foolish while being wealthy, powerful, and famous. Now again, our inclination is to go, yeah, but give me a shot at wealth, power, and fame, and maybe I can, maybe I can do both. What Ecclesiastes is getting at is that wealth, fame, and power lure us away from biblical wisdom. So it is better to lack those things and be humble before the Lord, able to take advice from our fellow humans, to, to fear the Lord and walk with Him than it is to pursue those things. Because wealth, fame, and power lure us away. In this fallen life under the sun, they are, they are temptations. They draw us away from the Lord. Because we saw earlier that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But if we gain everything our hearts want in this life, if we gain all of the money and all of the influence and all of the power and all of the notoriety, we lose motivation to fear the Lord. It is hard to treat God as the authority when we feel like we have the authority. It's hard to treat God as the provider when we feel we have all we need. It's hard to treat God as the one who we look to for approval and for identity when we gain our identity from the adulation and praise and, and awareness of the people around us. So this is why Ecclesiastes tells us humility and fearing the Lord are better than foolishness while we pursue these things. And in fact, to pursue these things draws us into foolishness often. So where does this leave us? Ecclesiastes tells us, that it's better to take enjoyment in our toil and in our striving and in our earning 
than it is to pursue more and more of wealth, fame, and power for happiness. And if we find joy in these things, that actually is, is moving us towards fear of the Lord because we're doing it out of a place of gratitude. We're receiving whatever wealth we have, whether it's a lot or a little, or whatever fame, whatever influence and power we have, we're receiving those from the Lord. So it's an acknowledgement of Him as the provider and the giver. That positions us in the state of humility that we talked about earlier. It puts us in the place of fearing the Lord, which is how we walk in wisdom.